Open your Bibles this morning, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 65. Isaiah, chapter 65. If I'm not mistaken, this is number seven in our series on hearing God. I think probably next week I, I'm going to bring this series to an to an end. It's not because of lack of material, because it could go on and on and on. But I have some other things that I'm convinced that uh, we need to speak about. But hearing God, boy, there's so much confusion about that in the world today. Someone said, if you want to hear God's voice, just open the Bible, read the Bible. You want to hear God speak there, I mean, there it is. We have it right before us. But God has spoken in some way uh, from the very beginning. Adam, where art thou? Well, hiding in the garden. Wouldn't it have been good if Adam had listened to God in the first place? Said, don't do this and... Lo and behold, they refused to listen. Now, our text is found in chapter number 65, but before we get there, we need to think about, at least uh, to some extent, chapter 63 and chapter 64, and we're not going to go back and read all of that, but we find there Isaiah pleading with God to pour out his blessings upon Israel. And uh, notice verse number one. I think we can just sum it all up here with verse number one of what's, what's on his heart. He says, Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, and that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Now here is the prophet of God pleading with God to come down and to rip the heavens apart and come down and demonstrate the greatness of His power, the greatness of His glory. And, and remember, this is the God who has chosen specifically a particular nation, that being Israel, to represent Him among all of the other nations. It wasn't that God didn't care about the other nations because, in fact, it was because God did care about the other nations. The Lord said, I've chosen Israel to be a light unto all of the other nations. They were to be God's witness. Well, as you know, they failed miserably. So when we come to chapter number 65, we, we see here God's response to to Isaiah's prayer. We know what Isaiah is hoping for. We know what Isaiah and, and, and at least some of the people want. But when we come to chapter 65, we see what God has to say about it. And the prophet, and remember the prophet Isaiah, the people, speaking about Israel, and these folks have been given exceeding great and precious promises. Great things lie ahead. At some point in time, they know God promised that he was going to do this. The sad news is only a remnant of those people would ultimately receive the blessings that God had promised. The majority would meet with severe judgment. And in chapter 
65, we see why. Notice verse number one, he says, I am sought of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. I've spread out my hands all of the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts, a people that provoked me to anger continually to my face, that sacrificeth in the gardens and burneth incense upon altars of brick. And if we had time, you can just read on and on and on as it begins to enumerate the various sins that they, that they were guilty of. So the, the first thing we see today and the title of the message is Hearing Without Heeding. It wasn't that they had not heard the message from God. They simply did not heed what God said. And the number one reason was the corruption of the Jews. The corruption of the Jews. This is something they brought upon themselves. And the Bible repeatedly reminds us that concerning Israel, that their lack of knowledge had brought destruction upon them, their rebellion. And when we speak about corruption, notice that, that it's described here in verse number 2 as a way of rebellion. He says they are a rebellious people. Now God had revealed what He expected, and what they did was in direct violation to His will. Rebellion, and rebellion results in ruin. You ever thought about the story going way back to their first king? Whenever they insisted to God, we, uh, we want a king. We want to be like all of the other nations and we want a king. We're not satisfied with the directions that you're giving us and the provisions that you're providing for us. Well, they, they got a king, didn't they? Saul. Sometimes God uh, gives us what we ask for when we don't have a clue what we're really asking for, and He does it in order to teach us a lesson that God knows best. Saul is given an assignment, and I won't go into the details of that, but he is to go in, he is to listen to the voice of God. It tells us in 1 Samuel chapter number 15, Hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Go destroy, verse 3. All of them spare not. Man, woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, ass, so forth. And as you know, he disobeyed that. He decided that it would be a good thing to, to keep some of the animals alive. Why, why waste those animals, man? I, you know, we, we, can, we can eat them. That, that's provisions. He even decided he'd spare the king. I suppose there were some political ramifications in that, don't you? Why else would he do it? God said, kill him. And in his rebellion, verse 23 of that chapter, and listen carefully, because this is, this is not only true of the rebellion of King Saul, it's true of every one of us when we rebel against the known will of God. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. 
Now, if I ask today, how many of you practice witchcraft? I don't think anybody here would say, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm really into that. No. But there are folks in rebellion against God, and God says your rebellion is just like the sin of witchcraft. Get this, stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Their corruption is revealed by their way of rebellion against God. And today, the vast majority of people, I think I could say the vast majority probably of professing Christians, what we call Christendom, all across America, to some extent, in some way, is living in rebellion against the known will of God. And he says it's just like, he says it's like witchcraft. It's like idolatry. If I ask how, how many of you folks have, like some religions, oh, their little gods in a little shrine in their home to where they worship that particular god. It might be anything from a little totem pole to, to a thing of Buddha, a statue of Buddha or whatever. Nobody here is guilty of that. But a lot of times we are just as guilty as those people that do those things when it comes to the sin of us rebelling against what we know God would have us to do. Now, notice, not only is it a way of rebellion, but notice their way was a way, this is God's description now, that was not good. A way that was not good. You know, some people think the right way is the wrong way. They've got a better idea, you know. You Christians, you, you, you know, you're giving up all of the fun things of life. How silly is that? And so they go out and eat, drink, and be merry, and boy, they're going to live it up. You know, that's their philosophy in life. But he says here, is a way that was not good. Back in chapter 5 of Isaiah, he says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And isn't that what we see going on in our country today? Calling good evil and evil good. We've just flipped the script, as it were. Regardless of what God has said, you know, we've got, you know, we've got our own ideas about it. Jeremiah 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, Ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein. But they said, We will not. That's the attitude of a, of a nation that is in rebellion against God. We will not. We, yes, we heard what Jeremiah said. We heard what Isaiah said. But, and we want those promises, we want those blessings, but we're not doing that. Boy, if you read on there in chapter 65, some of the things they were trying to communicate with the dead, they, they were doing all sorts of serious sins against God and thinking at the same time that they could maintain a proper relationship with God. Their corruption 
was not good. It was rebellion. But look in verse number two, this, it says their way was after their own thoughts. After their own thoughts. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone where? To his own way. Pay no attention to what God says. We've turned to our own way. Well, Solomon had it right over there in Proverbs 14. He said, There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We live in a day and an age where everybody's got a different idea even when it comes to the matter of Christianity. Boy, are there ever going to be a lot of surprises when we get to heaven and realize that we got this wrong and that wrong. Of course, we're not going to get there unless we get the main thing right. He says here in verse 3, in light of all of this, they're living according to the dictates of their own heart, their own thoughts. Forget what the Bible says. Every one of you young people that go to school, you're attending school with other kids that believe exactly the opposite of what you do, and the chances are good that you have some teachers that will tell you that what you believe, what we believe, what the Bible teaches is totally wrong. I don't have to, I don't have to sit here and start giving a big long list of, of sins. But I we're in trouble when, whenever you can't even define a man from a woman. There's something wrong with a nation like that and people on the Supreme Court and people in the highest ranks of our government and what have you that, no, I can't define a woman. What a mixed up world we live in. And it's so sad and heartbreaking because I've got 40-some grandkids plus great-grandkids on top of that. Bev and I have got grandkids everywhere, I'm telling you what, and I don't know how much longer God's going to give me, but Unless the Lord comes pretty quick, why well, I'll be gone and they're going to be left here in this world. And by the way, I'm going to be preaching about that probably two weeks from today. God laid something on my heart and I've shared it with Brother Ken. And I said, I'm just, I just can't wait. Some things we need to think about. Now look at verse 3. We're still talking about their corruption. And it provoked God, notice what it says, to anger continually in other words sin is an offense to God it offends him it invites his justice now you know it's one thing to make some someone else angry that's I've made a lot of people angry over the years and, and without without even trying but boy I'll tell you whenever God is angry with you you've got serious problems Amen. their corruption angered God. And notice that word continually. It wasn't like just God got up on the wrong side of the bed today and he, he, just, he just in a bad mood and he really doesn't like that particular sin. No. It's, it's continually that God is offended by the corruption of man. Now, 
Notice the call from Jehovah because God's got something to say about this. It's obvious. Look at verse 2. This is so remarkable to me. He says, I have spread out my hands. So it's, in other words, it's obvious. That's the first thing about the call from Jehovah. It's obvious. I spread out my hands. In, in other words, I've not only spoken the word, I've spread out my hands. It's, it's, it's a plea for attention to the nation. It's showing that God's not reluctant to accept us. He wasn't reluctant to accept the Israelites. He's standing with his head, hands spread out. Come to me. Not only is it obvious, but notice it's constant. I, he says, I've spread out my hands. Notice, all the day. All the day. I remember junior high was whenever I first had any lessons in boxing. We fought, listen, the, our neighborhood kids, we fought somebody every day. It was just that way. All through grade school and getting into junior high. The junior high teacher, though, taught us how to box, the proper stance, what you do. I never realized that your arms could get so tired you know, I, I never was, never had thought about that. You know, you just get out there in the street fight and you're just stringing wild and kicking and to keep a proper stance. You, I'm glad God doesn't get tired. I'm glad He doesn't grow weary. I'm glad he's got strong hands. He says, I've been holding my arms up, he says, all the day. That's a picture of patience. Aren't you glad God's patient with us? It's a picture, not just of patience, but determination. I'm not giving up. I'm here. I have my arms open wide. I want to bless you. I've chosen you as my people. And yet they resist. And notice here we see that his call is not only obvious and constant, but it's gracious. All of the day, he says, unto a rebellious people. They're sinful, they're selfish, they're stubborn, undeserving. Just like you, just like me. That's, that describes human nature as we are. And thank God... For God's grace. Oh, there was so many times before I come to know Christ as my Savior that God could have said, look, I've had enough of this nonsense. He could have taken my life at any moment and been perfectly justified in doing so. And God is saying to this nation here, He says, you're rebellious, but I'm standing here with my arms open wide. That, some of you young people, no doubt have been raised in church. You've gone through Awana. You can quote all of those verses. You know, you know exactly what the Bible says that we ought to believe and what we ought to do. You, you've got all of that down pat. You can rehearse it to others and tell them. But the point is, are you doing the will of God? 
And it's only by the grace of God that we have a second opportunity. You know, you've heard missionaries talk about for years and years, you know, why should anybody have the opportunity to hear the gospel twice when most of the world has never heard it once? Let that sink in. And some folks have had an opportunity, not just a few times, but year after year after year after year. Thank God some of them have been awakened. I could just start calling names of those of you that were raised in church, made a profession of faith, made everybody else think you're really saved and you're going to heaven. If we'd had your funeral, we'd all been there thinking, boy, he and she, they're in heaven. This is lost as Hogan's goat. And we didn't even know it. There's a pretty good chance that there are some of you here today and if you'd really be honest with yourself deep down in your heart, you know. You know that you know all of the answers, but deep down in your heart, you've never come to grips with the fact that you are a horrible sinner in the sight of God and you've never actually trusted Jesus Christ to be your Savior and the Lord of your life. God is calling today to you just as he was calling to them. Number three, I want you to notice the contempt of the Jews. Verse number 12. When I called, and he did, right? When I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear but did evil before mine eyes and did, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. As we look at this story, we see several hindrances to people actually hearing the Word of God. And the first one is their perverseness. There in verse 2, a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good. You see, sin dulls our senses. It, it causes us to ignore wise counsel and strong warnings in a way that was not good. And that was the direction they chose. So many times whenever people are in love with a particular sin, they're not willing to listen to sound reasoning or even the scriptures. And then when you look at this, it's, there are preconceived ideas. Go back to verse 2. After their own thoughts. You see, everybody has their view on life. Only one time when I was growing up, till the day I graduated, is only one time anyone ever tried to witness to me about Christ. I lived in Springfield, Missouri, the home of Baptist Bible College, Evangel College, and the other college. I mean, there were Pentecostals, Baptists, Baptists, I mean, all over town. And for some strange reason, nobody ever knocked on our door. No classmate ever said anything to me. Till one day, one day, 
the fellow that the rest of us thought was a sissy guy in high school. He's one of those church goers. He drove up in front of my house, come up and knocked on the door, and, and naturally I recognized him, knew his name, he knew me, and he said, can we talk a little bit? And I said, well, I guess so. Come on out the car and we'll sit down. And he, he asked me if I was a Christian. I'll tell you how dumb I was. I thought by that it meant Catholic, and I know I knew what Mama said. We wasn't Catholic, that we were, we were more like the Baptist, even though she came from the Pentecostal holiness. That was really confusing to me. But she said if, if we were going to be anything, we'd be Baptist. That's what she said. So I told him, and I said, oh, no, we're no, I'm not a Christian. And then during the course of the conversation, I realized, I said, oh, I thought, I thought you were talking about those Catholics. And he kept trying to press the point of how I need to be saved. And I, I said, look, I'm comfortable with what I believe. Now, you've got to understand, this is one of those so-called sissy guys who was much more of a man than I was. And I'm one of those cool kids with his collar flipped up and his shirt half open and his sleeves rolled up, cigarette hanging out of my mouth, daring you to mess with me. And finally I told him, look, I've got my own ideas about God and I, I, feel, I feel like I'm okay. I wish to God I'd listened to, to what Gary said that day. But I didn't. I didn't. And I paid for it. After their own thoughts. Oh, I had my thoughts of God. You've heard me say in the summertime, sleep, no air conditioning, no fan, sleep outside in the backyard, look up the stars. And I thought, boy, there must be, there must be something to this God business, you know. How'd they all get up there? Had my own ideas, but my own ideas would have sent me to hell. And if you know anything about the Jews, you know that one of their biggest problems was the fact that they depended upon tradition. We see it all through the Bible. It was tradition over the truth of God's Word. Go over to the book of Judges there where it concludes it says every man did that which was right in his own eyes preconceived ideas but then there was a preoccupation that'll keep you from hearing God's word because when you read all through this chapter and look at all of the details these people were busy they were preoccupied with what religious things they are intensely involved in idolatry You say, well, that, that, that's not me, preacher. Don't have to worry about me. No, but it, it might be that you're so preoccupied with other things. It can be something that is, in and of itself, it's not sinful, but you're so preoccupied with it, you, you tuned God out. You don't listen. You won't listen. It, it might be your job. You know, it's a wonderful thing that you can have a job that you really enjoy, that you know, that's, that's, I've had to work some places where, you know, I, I didn't enjoy the job. I had to work there to put food on the table. Have a job you enjoy is good, but there's some people that just nearly like worship their job. That's all that's important to them. With others, it's not the job. It's, well, it's some hobby. 
And so they're preoccupied with their hobby. Man, before I was saved, it was hunting and fishing, baseball. I live for that. Some Christians never, never really break away from that, and they let those things drag them down and hold them back. It might be they're distracted by the trials in life, the hardships, the difficulties. Because something about the vestiges of our old sinful nature feel like, you know, I deserve better treatment than that. God's my heavenly father, and I just don't understand why he's letting me go through all of this. And we get so preoccupied with our problems and our difficulties and what have you that we don't listen to God. And by the way, I need to throw this in there. It might be you're preoccupied with some good cause. It can be the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the Brownies, the whatever. And you've allowed things like that just crowd God out of your life. You don't listen to God anymore. Because all you can think about is doing what you want to do. Let me tell you, at the root of all of this is pride. I want you to notice verse 5 because this, this is shocking. This is the pride. He say, which say, talking about the people, which say, stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all of the day. This is one of the most shocking, stupid statements ever made by anyone. And if you look at verse number three and four again and go through here, you see they have sacrificed to other gods. They've tried to converse with the dead. They ate forbidden food that God didn't allow. And now they're saying, leave me alone. Now, I understand, and we don't have time to go into all of the details, that there are some writers and what have you that they say that this, all this has to do with their attitude toward the Gentiles. They're basically saying to the Gentiles, you know, we don't want anything to do with you and holding them at arm's length and so forth. Well, I don't, however you look at it, if it's not direct, a direct statement to God, it's an implication that's what they want from God. Leave us alone. That, that, what they're saying is stay away from me. Keep to yourself. Don't come near me. Can you imagine having an attitude like that? After I got saved and started preaching pastoring the church and finally I got dad dad to attend I'll never forget that he came one week and he didn't come back and I thought well he'd come back the next week no he didn't finally I asked him dad I was, uh, why haven't you been back to church he said son he said I, I thought when you went to church it's supposed to make you feel good it took him several years before he realized that that's not what it's all about. Finally, my daddy was saved. But there at the beginning, he did not understand, he could not comprehend why I was preaching so hard about sin and the need for us to turn to Christ and so on and so forth. And he didn't want to come back. I mean, time and time and time again, you, they won't verbalize it, but... You, 
you might even be guilty of it. What you're really saying is, I don't want any more of that Holy Spirit conviction. Because believe me, there have been people during the invitation that have trembled under the convicting power of the Spirit of God, using the Word of God, plunging it into your heart. And I've been there myself. I know, I know how it feels. It's the way I felt before I was saved. And man, I didn't know whether to run out of there or what. And sadly, there are those that instead of coming to God, they run the other direction. And it's the same thing as saying, God, leave me alone. Stay away from me. I'm comfortable where I am. And at the very root of all of this is pride. I don't have time for it, but that raises another issue that hinders us from hearing, and that's pouting. Because at the very, at the very root of all of this, this pride, and that's the reason that, that we get bent out of shape. With the Jews, it was the Gentiles, you know, we're God's people. We don't listen to Him, we don't obey Him, but we're God's people. We're going to get the kingdom. You Gentiles, we don't want anything to do with you at all. And the very thought, the very suggestion that the Gentiles might, might get in on this, they were pouting about that. You'll see that whenever you get over to Romans chapter 11, and that's where our Sunday school classes or headed, you know, and you get over there, you'll see what I'm talking about. There are people, you know, that they don't have the issue that has to do with the pouting about the Gentiles getting in on the kingdom of God, but they're pouting about, it could be 40, 11 different things, you know, things that, uh, things that they, they don't like. Things, you know, not going their way. Just refuse to listen, refuse to obey. Why? Because they're angry. And because they're angry about something else, it's like telling God, I, I don't want to hear what you say. Stay away from me. I don't want to hear it. Now look at verse 12. Here's the consequences, and I'll be through. Verse 12. Therefore, I double underlined that in my Bible. Therefore, Will I number you to the sword, and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter? Because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear. But did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. Wow. Paul sure had it right, didn't he, whenever he said, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Lord's telling him, Harvest time, you're going to reap what you've sown. Look throughout all of history. And you see one example of disaster after another that happened simply because people ignored warnings. We could talk about the Titanic. We could talk about Pearl Harbor. We could talk about Katrina. The warnings that were issued that you've got to get you know, the dikes up and higher and so forth. 
the intercontinental terminals out here in what, 2019, whenever we had the big fires out here, raging control out of, out of the leaks and what have you, there was a ton of evidence showing that they had been warned for a long time that you better take care of this or it's going to be a disaster, and there was. I'm not at liberty to mention any names. I wouldn't do that. But I could tell you about church members. Not, I'm not talking about anybody here today, but church members that were members of this same church that I've met with and I warned. And Brother Kenneth can do the same thing. And I met with, I warned. You're headed in a direction that it, it, and here's the thing about it. You know, if, if sin didn't hurt anybody but the person, that's one thing. But whenever you see children suffering and families ripped apart, that's something else. And I've met with people and I've tried to warn them this is going to end bad. No, 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 it won't walked out but it did it ended horrible I've often told about the major major general what John Sedgwick it was in Spotsylvania back in the Civil War he was one of the most highly regarded of all of the generals at that time and uh, during that battle his men had warned him uh, had warned him about exposing himself, you know, getting up out of the trench or from the barrier because of the Confederate sharpshooters. You know, he was kind of a cocky sword anyway. He's a general. He knew what he wanted to do. So he popped up out of there. He said they couldn't hit an elephant at that distance. Just below his left eye, the sharpshooter's bullet killed him instantly. Those were his last words. Let me tell you, when we refuse to hear God, refuse to respond to His Word, we're putting ourselves in terrible danger. You wonder why preachers get up and preach against sin? It's because they care enough about you to tell you the truth. It'd be a lot easier for me to, to do like some preachers, especially in our area here. Man, that would be easy, but I couldn't live with myself. In fact, in fact, I got an idea God probably would kill me if I did what they're doing. I don't think I could get by with that. I don't want to get by with that. All of sending comes short of the glory of God. We've turned everyone to our own way. There's no doubt about it. We all need Christ. And if you know Christ as your Savior and you know what the Bible is telling you that you ought to do and you're refusing to do it, mark it down. Payday someday. It's going to happen. And I, I don't want to see it happen to you. 
Wouldn't it be a whole lot better to get everything right with God right here, right now, this morning, and walk out that door saying, well, I'm not perfect, but thank God I've made everything right with God and I can put my head on the pillow tonight and go to sleep. Why, why would you not do that this morning? And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, I beg you, whatever you do before you leave here today, you say, well, preacher, I, I, I don't want to talk to you. I, I, I don't really like you. I, I'd rather talk to somebody. That's all right. If you're a, if you're a woman here today, we've got ladies that will come, and they'll, they'll speak with you and, sh- and show you from the Word of God how you can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you're a child of God. Wouldn't you like to know that? I hope so. Let's all stand together, but David's going to come and our musicians, and we're going to have a time of invitation. Father, I pray that you'll take your word and use it this morning to, to bring conviction to our hearts. Lord, remind me of the shortcomings in my life and the things that that I need to do better and to do right and help me to be more responsive to your will and I pray this morning that you'll speak to hearts might be that person who is nearest hell they think they've got a lot of time but it might be that their days are numbered it it could be today Lord help them to realize that now today Now is the time of salvation, and may they come this morning receiving Christ. And Lord, if we can think of any area of our life where we are rebelling against your will, God, help us to confess our sins. As believers, to know that that we have made a confession of our sins and our communion, our fellowship with you has been restored. God, what a happy day that would be for someone. If only they would today. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. While we stand and as we sing, would you come?